Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast, brought to you by Visual Thinking, inspiring retail performance. Hello and welcome to this special Euroshop 2020 event review podcast from the Retail Exchange at this year's Euroshop in Dusseldorf, Germany, with me, Ben Bland, and our guest host, Carl McKeever. In case Euroshop is not on your regular shopping list of trade fairs, it is the world's biggest retail expo. With pressure on bricks and mortar stores around the world like never before, we'll be looking back on this year's event to find out what the creative minds at Euroshop 2020 had in store for visitors to help retailers and brands measure up to the challenges that lie ahead. Every year that we've been here has has been worthwhile or we wouldn't be back I guess you know we, we take that decision each time and you know three years is a decent period in which to kind of reorganize tell different stories and and find new clients and this this show exposes our brand to the widest variety of clients and you know from literally all across the globe We'll catch up with our guest host on the ground at Euroshop 2020, Carl McKeever, as he talks to a few of those exhibiting and attending who know more than most what it will take for physical retail to stay ahead of the competition from online and meet the ever-evolving needs of today's shoppers. All that to come on this special podcast episode from the Retail Exchange. One of the most striking things about Euroshop is its size. Across the four-day event, more than 100,000 visitors pass through its doors. And the Messe by the airport in Dusseldorf is mammoth. It's an incredible spectacle. Huge halls, extraordinary spaces, over 2,000 exhibitors, 600 speakers, and 500 sessions across eight stages. Plenty of inspiring creative visions to capture visitors' imaginations. So let's start by handing over to Carl McKeever, who was busy walking the expo floor and caught up first with a regular friend of the Retail Exchange podcast, James Brakes, Associate Director of RPA Group. As I walk around the event, um, who should I find but a, a, a trusted friend and a, and a friendly face? James, um, you're a very seasoned designer. You know what's new, yeah. what's hot. What have you seen that's really grabbed your attention? I think what I've really got a lot of joy out of is actually seeing a, a couple of exhibitors really starting to bring together that, um, I suppose, that that golden bullet of, of technology with relevance, because that's, I think, really what we're wanting to start to see from technology, definitely in retail as well, uh, uh, as well as hotel and leisure and, uh, and uh, multiple sectors. So, uh, so for me, the Swarm Stand, um, uh, Swarm UK, uh, we've worked with before in, in technology applications. Uh, they've got quite a nice little stand that's showing just three really simple products. Um, I think most people will raise their eyes to heaven when they hear it's uh, a technology mirror or a magic mirror. But actually what these guys have done that's, that's so different is they've really infused each of these applications with a bit of really applicable uh, technology for each side. So, for instance, uh, they've created uh, one for the hotel sector, which is your standard full-size hotel mirror. Um, but they've also incorporated into it um, not only the TV application and the check-in, check-out, uh, but they're also starting to think of the mindfulness, they're starting to think of exercise, and actually what people maybe want out of the hotel room. So they've uh, incorporated um, uh, content, which is um, uh, a yoga and a, uh, a room-based workout. Um, 
which really encapsulates just a bit of fun, if you like, into it, but actually gives you that opportunity to do something useful in your room to, to, to really to engage. TV channels in a, in a, well, in a foreign language. That you it don't really understand. does, and it's it, it's something a lot more healthy. And people are actually engaging with this this sort of level of interaction. You know, they'll take the time to investigate it, um, uh, and this is really the strength of a lot of this sort of thing. Is uh, so uh, as someone who's so closely involved in design, and, and you know, really as an agency, you're at the cutting edge of, of, of forward thinking and new solutions. What can you really get out of you know being here? You know, what, what's the big justification to spend, you know, days and days touring these halls in the hope of finding what? I think everybody naturally wants to find the latest and the greatest. But I think uh, when you've been coming as long as probably you and I have to this, um, I think it's more about seeing the evolution of, of retail and actually making educated guesses about where it's likely to go. Uh, I was describing to uh, one of the clients I was with uh, the very first Euroshop I came to, which was 21 years ago, we were first starting to see uh, projected interactive floors and swimming fish and and really what we're trying to do is sort of see how far people have moved on and how the, uh, well particularly technology has become more applicable and uh, you know is applied in a, in, in, a, uh, uh, in, a, in a greater application as it were. And it's incredible really isn't it, it's easy to take it for granted you know when the first um, you know um, light-based uh, shop mm. window displays came mm. out you know the biggest gripe then was well they're no good in the daytime you know you can only see them at night N now we look at these high definition you know multiple pixel screens and we mm. take them for granted mm. you know they're as clear as looking at a, as, a, as, a, as a photograph close up oh absolutely absolutely I mean there's some uh, there's some great uh, uh, LED signage technology uh, which is really starting to bring shop windows to life um, uh, but I think that the thing is, it needs, you need the content. You need somebody bright thinking about how people are actually going to interact with the, uh, with the display and really bring it to life. You know, there's, uh, there's more of a market for imagination than ever in, in, in these things. You know, we've got the technology, we're savvy, we've got the people able to program it. We still need the designers, the creativity, the imagineers in there to, to really bring it to life. Uh, and tech aside, has anything from the interior's perspective stood out in terms of new materials or finishes or, or the way that people are thinking about using those things? We tend to see sweeping trends that, that don't tend to go away. So there's a lot of faux materials that we're seeing. Uh, you'll see them on Common High Street in, in all sorts of applications. So there's a lot of pretenders to the throne. Um, I think what we're interested in seeing more is um, uh, is really how more natural materials are, are starting to be used or combinations of materials plus from a sustainability point of view how we can uh, recycle materials to, to to create something new so it's really nice to see some of the larger brands I think you know starting to bring that to life um, you know starting to to for us to be able to use them as a, a common material not a specialist material well thanks very much James brilliant to bump into you like this You're and very welcome. Um, enjoy the rest of the show thanks Carl Many retailers and brands wander the halls at Euroshop to check out the latest, the new and the next. Others take to the stage to share their experience and insight. 
One such person is Scott Renton, head of store development for SHU, who is joined on stage by its UK-based design agency partner, Briggs Hillier, and its creative director, Adrian Briggs. Carl caught up with them as they left the stage to discuss their views on the role of creative design for the future of retail. Well, we've been looking at uh, our latest store design concept, um, which Adrian Briggs and his team have been working with us on uh, for launch in 2019 as it was and roll out in 2020. So um, Adrian and I have been taking the audience through um, the process of delivering that concept and the end result. And what was the process you've used? We've been talking about uh, the process of how we delivered the store and the, the process that as, as a business Briggs Hillier would follow through making sure that we truly understand every single cog of the business and all of the different challenges and um, obstacles that we're going to face in order to deliver uh, the most effective store that is not going to only connect with the consumer but also be a commercially successful solution for the brand, making it a, uh, giving them the ability to be able to roll that store out and uh, continue to deliver it across the entire estate. And Scott, what makes this particular new concept so different or remarkable to what you've done previously? The, the business um, has always required us to uh, deliver a design that uh, has an awful lot of product on display and the game changer for this concept was being able to reduce that and um, we've and two things have allowed us to do that um, the business was, was keen to um, push forward with a 20% reduction in what we call skew space the actual items on display and, and, and in order to help facilitate that as well as cutting out product ranges we, and focusing on bestsellers, we also um, agreed that we would display the sports fashion product in one branded area without splitting it per, per gender, by gender. And those two components really have, have, have allowed us to look at this store design in a different way to the last four, you know, and, and, and you know, that, that's given us a huge blank canvas by comparison to where we were, there were only so many ways that you could um, display a shoe on on the wall, you know. But um, but being able to actually have some some white space and black space in the store is revolutionary for us. And Adrian, I understand that there are a number of features in the store which are quite different and, and revolutionary. What what would you say are the, the key features which have really stood out? Well. The key thing that we were trying to achieve overall within the concept is about how we were going to deliver what we termed as horizontal fluidity within the space. Um, because it is a changing market and because fashions change, we needed to make sure that the store was adaptable and flexible to follow those trends and not need another new concept in a year's time because uh, the product offering has changed and people are shopping in a different way. So the key thing is about us being able to deliver that as a coercive solution, but still have this adaptability and flexibility. And then give the brand space to breathe uh, and also creating dedicated areas for, um, as we were terming them as hero space, which is giving us the opportunity to do product launches and have brands take over these different zones and have their own dedicated space within the store, um, whilst the store still then operates under its normal Steam, uh, which has also allowed us then to extend that into doing launch events and evening events whereby we can get a lot more hype and a lot more PR and coverage into the stores as well. 
as, as a client who I imagine, like most brands, is working within, um, let's say, some fairly economically challenged times, um, how do you justify um, working with an external design agency mm. versus doing these things and uh, mm. projects in house? Mm. Mm. I mean, I've seen so many retailers in our market space and, and fashion retail generally try to deliver something in-house and okay I'm looking at this from a professional point of view not a customer's point of view but you can tell you know you can tell because if you're doing my role and, and you're entirely responsible for delivering the design completely without an external agency somebody is going to come along at some point and start questioning it taking it to bits you know saying well you can't spend that you can have that but you can't have this you know so it just doesn't work. You can walk into certain retailers and you think, it's nearly there. But if only they had engaged with an external design agency who could have kept them on the correct path. So you think there's a bit more integrity, more authenticity? I think massively so, you know. And it, it, as an overall um, cost of the project, it's, it's not a huge sum of money to employ a design agency such as Briggs Hillier because... You know, it, it, it's you know Oxford Circus. It's one tenth of the whole, the, you know, the, the, the whole project cost for that that refit. Albeit it's an exceptionally expensive refit compared to all the others, but you know that cost is not just a portion to one project. It's a portion to the rollout of all the stores. So by the time you've divided that down through you know the next five years of rollout, it's not really cost you very much. Um. You, you're obviously working with a, a pretty enlightened client, I would say, someone who get, gets the value of design. For perhaps um, brands who are sitting a bit more on the fence there and actually thinking about, you know, that they feel they've got the in-house ability, the technical expertise to do these for yourselves, uh, for themselves. What pitch would you make for why use an external design agency to, to move you along this path? Well, I think what we often find when we go into clients is that generally they can't see the wood for the trees. They're so dictated by their own mechanisms and you know, the store is one component within an entire retail chain. There's so many other plates that they're being spun. Um, and sometimes those other cogs around the outside are almost dictating what's happening within the store environment. Now we, we have a breadth of knowledge of working with a really wide range of different retailers um, in different sectors, which are, and also we, you know we're we're globally enabled as a business. So we're we're seeing things that are happening all over the world. We're very widely travelled. We're doing projects in China. We're doing projects in Russia. So we get that different understanding of what the world is doing. Uh, and I think that that's where we bring a different value into the business. But we also then bring some credibility. There may be several people in the business that really want to do what we're saying and maybe could have come to the table and said, well, that's what we've been saying for ages. But by, the, by bringing an agency in, it gives them the credibility to say, well, this is going to work. It gives, somebody, gives them somebody to blame in one sense, but um, you know, the way in which we work, there shouldn't be any reason to blame because we have a proven track record with every single client that we work with is that we deliver a commercial solution that adds um, money in the till. It increases sales. We, 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 that's, that's the format that we work to. And we don't believe that we've been successful if a store concept hasn't increased sales because that's what we're here to do. We're not here to be on the front page of a magazine or you know win an award. We're here to make our client more profitable. That's why they've come to us. And we're here to make them also more uh, improve the function of the stores because it's not just profitable by increasing the sales. It's um, allow them to be more profitable by 
making the store shop fit more efficient, making the shop fit uh, more, um, more cost efficient to deliver, but more efficient for the team that are working within it, make it easier to change, make it quicker for um, the transition of um, product from stockroom to, to store, make the whole purchasing process easier. Everything is about making retail seamless and that's what our focus is. So we'll sort all those nuts and bolts out first and make sure that this store is functionally and operationally right and then we'll make it look good on the top which is then what brings the customers um, into it being you know, appropriately from a fashion perspective. So many brands have been uh, prioritizing their digital investments mm -hmm. and often on their logistics capabilities or their transactional uh, uh, websites, etc. Mm -hmm. What have you been doing to kind of integrate those characteristics into your new store design? Well, the, the fulfillment piece is really absolutely key, you know, so integrating um, a live real-time stock inventory into the into the stores and the website it's just it has to be done and it's we, it's not new to this concept we've been doing it for years so if a customer so, searches online and looks for a store that's carrying my size mm -hmm. they'll get a real-time true stock availability picture yeah they do and, and and whether you're in um hammersmith or hull you can shop the whole inventory it doesn't really matter where you are you know so the, the store's function has become slightly different and we don't prevent customers from um you know returning something to store that they've bought online for example it's all well, it's all one you know it still amazes me how many retailers you know make a fuss about things like that you know it's well they don't they just don't have the mechanics to do it and to what extent but, have you been using technology not just to drive uh let's say efficiency of the selling process mm. or, or you know practical aspects such as availability but have you put any whistles and flutes in there you know things that make mm -hmm. shopping a little bit more joyous yeah i mean in terms of digital media content yes i mean that that We've, we, we've massively increased our spend in, in, in the production of uh, content for our digital screens. We have a, a team dedicated to it now. We used to do a couple of campaigns a year. Now we're doing 10, you know, it's like, it's like full-time work for a team of, team of guys in marketing now. And what we've discovered is the quality of that um, content is absolutely key. You know, the first thing a lot of retailers think about doing, and we were the same, is, right, we've got to get digital into the store. We've got to get rid of cardboard point of sale to make it a digital screen so you do that and then you think well what we're we going to put on it so you go to the brands the brands give you a little bit of content but you've got to generate your own and it's got to be high quality otherwise you know what's the point spending all that money on a you know 20 grand led massive screen you know so um yeah it's been it's been interesting to integrate that and adrian touched upon it earlier where um we we have sort of standard size screens as well as big format ones and those ones the brands can take over we can move them um, around the store there's a, a an ability to plug them in there's data and power every few meters and you can just move these around the system they hook on and they're not fixed in any one location so um yeah i mean it's there's definitely more you know that that element of the budget uh, you know has uh, definitely been uh, been been increased Gentlemen, thank you both very much. Um, enjoy the rest of the show, and it's been terrific to talk to you as part of the Retail Exchange. Okay, Pleasure. thank you very much. Thank you. Sustainability was a key theme at Euroshop 2020. We can hear a little more now from Carl as he gets the views on this key trend and more when he spoke to Alistair Keane, Development Director of DL and Powell. Quite a few of the conversations I've had over the last um, few days have been uh, un understandably um, focusing on sustainable issues now. Yeah. To what extent has clients been raising those matters with you? I think it very much depends on where they come from. A lot of our clients are in Eastern Europe and Asia and there it's less of an issue. Um, 
I think it's much more a European, North American thing. Um, we obviously try to accommodate it in whatever we do for whoever we do it with. And actually, we've been talking recently about uh, becoming much more vocal about that with our clients and actually um, leading that agenda rather than having the clients support that. I mean, we've just done a piece of work for Timberland and for them that is their number one issue, the sustainability. So um, they were leading that in that project, but we felt ourselves that we needed to do more even with them. So that's, that's absolutely 100% on our agenda for the next um, two or three years is to actually go out and find partners to help us be more sustainable. Having worked with so many kind of big high street brands, yeah. how, how do you um, fend off the potential um, internal challenge, let's say, of you know, homogenization of your own work or, you know, yeah, seen, it, yeah. seen it before? Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, we, we're, that, that's why we're pushing the idea of this creativity being at the heart of everything and also getting the brief right because if you are interrogating the brief and if you, are, if you get the right brief, then the answer is going to be the right answer. You know, if you're working through the project and understanding the client's needs, understanding the consumer and giving the consumer what they want and not just what the client wants, because the client will have one opinion. We will see a different opinion from the customer and we've got to convince sometimes the client that the customer is right and they need to start listening. Otherwise, you know, they're, they're spiraling downwards. So for us, it's about getting all of that good stuff at the beginning that turns it into something real. And our skill set is taking that, that brief and making it real. Mm -hmm. you know, so taking the intangible and making it tangible. And you know, that's, a, a that, that's where the magic happens. You and, know. and as a company, your heartland, I guess, is in apparel and accessories. You've done a lot of work in that space. It, but... it, it's where we started, really, I yeah. guess. <laughs> Although, actually, in the first year, we, we designed, I think, a pub a week. <laughs> when we really started, but yeah, it so soon most became... So recently you did Boots, so yes, a different yes, category. Absolutely, yeah. Um, wh where are your ambitions now? Where would you like to take on next? <laughs> well, you know, we've, we, we have gradually been trying to kind of, hardly free ourselves from the shackles of, of fashion, but breaking out of that, um, that sector that we were very much kind of categorized in. And also not just breaking out of the sector, but also breaking out of this idea of we are store designers because really what we're about is designing experiences for you know, the new era of customer. That's, that's really what we're about. So trying to let people know that we do more than just design the box. You know, we design why the box should be there, what kind of shape it should be, what size it should be, you know, what it should do, its function. You know, do you need it? You know, Clearly there's so, a lot of um, people like yourself still in this space and of course yeah, when, you, when yeah. you bring an event like this together, you know, yeah. everyone comes to the same spot. And, and we all seem to be saying the same things. So, so my question is, look, retail has consolidated greatly in the last five years. You know, yeah, brands has. have disappeared, brands have combined, yep. brands have shrunk yep. in size. What's going to happen in this sector? Do you think there, there is consolidation afoot or, 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 or to what extent is the design industry still in rude health? I. I think it is, it's always going to be there, the design industry, because you know, we all need that creativity. You know, it just happens in different ways, at different points. You know, we're talking about the kind of democratization of creativity. You know, everyone's creative. You know, my kids spend hours in their bedroom creating Instagram feeds and you know, TikTok videos, and you know, that, that's, that's, they, 
they're exploring their own creativity every day. And so creativity is, is in the air. And I, I cannot see that there will ever be um, a time where we do not need creatives. So whether it's creatives doing retail in a traditional fashion or is it creatives doing a kind of merge between retail and service and you know, uh, online, offline, it doesn't matter to us. It's wherever the customer is, it's wherever the need is for that creativity. And that's never going to change, I don't think. Yeah. And if you had a, a parting comment, I guess, about you know, why any client should visit Euroshop, what, what, what would you say to them? Why come? Well, I, I think it's a, well, it's, a, it's a great social space. It's a great place to meet people, great place to network. Um, but also it's a great place to find the new, you know. There might not be on every stand something new, but I would, I would imagine in every hall you will find something that is relevant. It's a great place if you have a specific question you need to answer, you'll find the answer here for sure. Um, but if you just come to be curious, there's lots and lots of interesting things to keep you, uh, keep you informed and um, yeah, keep you interested. And certainly, yeah, we will keep coming back, that's for sure. We love it. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Alistair. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. Taking place every three years, Euroshop is a sensory overload. Often people don't know whether to look up or look down. But one stand in particular helped to bring the experience of display manufacturing to life in a new, engaging way. And Carl went along to check it out different manufacturers and suppliers are showing people not just the finished product, but how this can be made and customised and turned into a bespoke branded item right in front of their very eyes. It's actually a good way to engage the buyer in the actual creative process so that they have a deep understanding of A, what's possible, and B, what goes into buying or commissioning some of the products that they might go on to order for themselves. I think for me, the Bonaveri stand really brings together all that's new and interesting in trade fairs. When it comes to designing new retail spaces, increasingly the demand for new, fresh thinking is seeing a number of global retailers turn to architectural as well as design agencies. One such company is Callison RTKL. The company has created some of the world's most successful environments for global retailers. And Carl McKeever spoke to its vice president, Cindy Carto. Cindy, why do you think there is this uh, desire to blend experiences right now? Uh, it's because that's what the consumer is wanting. You know, they want either one-stop shopping in um, a, a mall or a place-making area, or they want to go to a store or a restaurant or an entertainment area that combines a lot of those things. So that they can stay for a while and they can experience it, they can socialize, um, make connections with new people. And, you know, it, eventually it might become part of their culture as well. Do you think any particular region of the world is progressing fastest around this new era of retail? I think when you look at, you know, certain brands with an right. international footprint, you can right. say that they've internationalized their concepts, but generally are there particular regions which are far or, or, or further away? Ah, that's an interesting question. Because in a lot of respects, I feel like sometimes Europe or Asia has been more about that because it, 
you know, there's so much going on around people that they almost want a respite or escape into something special. I think in the United States, it's almost being forced upon us in a way um, because of the retail, overall retail situation. It certainly looks from the outside that perhaps the US has been the slowest to innovate. Yes, I would say so. Um, but, and it's kind of by happenstance, right? Where, um, two, I, I really think that, you know, the socialization part of everybody's life these days in the US is really important you know, to escape, um, you know, but, or to be able to escape from work a bit by going to a place that is more social or, you know, um, has all of these facets to it that you could stay there for a while. And like, you know, Capital One, being able to have a coffee, being able to open up your laptop, being able to escape for a little bit. Um, and then engage with your family and your friends. You know, it's really important from that standpoint. So I think we're in the middle of this kind of almost grand readjustment yeah. where we had this predominance around physical retail, lots of new developments opened, lots of space was created. Yes. Online disruption for the last 10 years, yep. but now pretty established. We're starting to see, I think, retail fighting back and being more experimental, more mm -hmm. hospitality, as you say, more socialization within the process. But what do you think is going to happen to this legacy of space? You know, the world in different parts of the world is drowning in an excess of stores. Exactly. And many of these boarded up. What's yes. going to happen to all that space? They're going to be, I think, to me, refreshed and it's going to force people, uh, you know, designers, vendors, you know, digital technology to, you know, really challenge themselves in terms of how to utilize these spaces and you know bring all of those different facets together. I mean, I actually don't like the word experience, but I can't find another word. But that's the, to me right now, the only way that's gonna draw people out from not using, you know, staying in their house and in the comfort of their mobile phone or, or their computer. So we're, know, at the, we're at the first Euro shop of the 20s. Right. Um, we are in a period of crisis, many people would say. Right. Um, retailers are fighting hard for survival. Yes. Some are doing very well, yeah. but they're doing well with very deep pockets. Right. When we come back again in three years' time and we're at the next Euro shop, you know, when we get into the 30s, on balance, do you think we'll have more or less retail? And how will retail have changed? I mean, to me, it's funny from the standpoint of, I think we're going back to legacy retail, you know, where it, um, people want to escape from their phone. They want to escape from their computer. And it's all about the interaction, you know, with um, the employee, you know, the knowledge that they have. I mean, people will still be shopping on their phone, but I think people are craving that interaction, that interpersonal interaction of what, you know, department stores used to be as well. From that standpoint, I guess and we talk about connectivity, but the the, the most prim primitive or primal sense yes. of connectivity is one-to-one -one connection, person to person. It is, you know, and all the stuff, all the data collecting, all the digital technology, maybe more behind the scenes, you know, informing 
um, the retailer or the brand about how to best next approach the future. So them. as a designer, as yeah. someone who's involved in creating this new vision, this new world, right. what are you most excited about? I'm excited about change. You know, I think the thing is, is a lot of retailers that have not been successful have been averse to change. And, you know, or, and they've decided, oh, I need to change now, but it's, it's way too late, right? And that's the closure of more stores. Um, and also, you know, um, they, I, I think what they don't realize is change is good. You know, I mean, that's the thing is that people think, oh, why should I change? Because I'm doing well. Right and of now. course, a, a cynic might say that part of the reason why businesses don't change is because the people who are looking after the money realize that efficiency and profitability right. is drawn from repetition of the same format. Yeah. And perhaps people have hung on to those formats for too long. They you have. know, you can look at Sears and JCPenney and Dillard's and all of these big variety stores, right. which, you know, it's anyone's guess how many of those will still be around in 10 years' time. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, you look back at Sears and, I mean, their catalog, you know, you, their wish book, you, you looked forward to it every year, you know, so some legacy and tradition, I think it's, it's sad because during this age of digital and technology, a lot of those brands lost their authenticity, what made them successful. You know, and it was that personal connection. And so I think that's something that brands need to continue, you know, to not take that for granted. It's, it's been true. my absolute pleasure to talk to you. Oh, yeah. um, thank you so it's much for great. joining the Retail Exchange. Thank you. There are several major international players exhibiting at Euroshop 2020. One of those is retail display specialist Ulrich. Carl stopped by their stand to talk to the company's chief executive officer, Roger Knubben. So tell us about Ulrich. What do you do and what makes your booth special? Okay, well, we, 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 we do displays, shopping shops and brand stores. And actually what we say, we have a an, an kind of Ulrich 360 offering. So we make the circle completely around. So we do the design. We do the manufacturing in, in our own factory in Poland. Uh, we deliver and we do the installation and services. But what we also do is that we not only, sometimes name it a bit simple, uh, we, we, do, we don't only make furniture, we also take care that it's engaging, that it attracts your, your, your interest as a customer, but we also take care that everything works. So uh, we work for the big brands. And if you have uh, a speaker or a headphone, then we also take care that when you put on the headphone or want to listen to the music, that everything works. And also that the content is there. And that. So we really try to engage the customers for the brands mm. and that they get interested in, wow, this is, this is a wow effect and I want to have this. And in which sectors are your customers? Well, we mainly focus on three sectors. Uh, by far the most uh, interesting or biggest sector for us is consumer electronics. Yeah, and we work there for the big brands like Harman Kardon, like Bose, like Google. Uh, so those are our brands. Second sector is the lifestyle. And for us, that's Nespresso, Samsonite, those kind of brands. And then we are focusing on sports. So these are high specification companies, yeah, absolutely. people with a high set of demands. Yeah, absolutely. 
so 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 quality is is amazing important delivery and time is amazing important because they have their program they want to roll out and and yeah they really they also want that we help them to create uh, a wow effect for the customers and that they have real engagement and experience real experience so from the clients you've been meeting this week um what are some of the things that people are thinking about and looking for as their new solutions yeah of course you, you know what we see in our business is is, is the all going digitalization so that's becoming more and more important it's almost we even have a discussion in our own company because we say we have three sector consumer electronics but but it looks like that everything is becoming electronics and that's what you see ever so to add value to help customer what works what does not work what should you do what should you not do that's really our added value that we can add when I was uh, here at Euroshop three years ago, one of the big things that people were really pushing very hard was, you know, digital screens built into walls where you yeah. could, you know, access the, the whole website experience, yeah. online inventory, all the rest yeah. of it. You know, that's completely missing here this time. Yeah, so, you know, that, That's what I mean. If you look from a technological point yeah, of view... It's moved on. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm surprised about it all. And we, we even tried to show it and to create it. And, to, uh, and I think for me, the direction appears to be that tech is moving a little bit more into the background, um, more seamlessly. So the yeah. consumer is benefiting from the end result, but it's not quite so in your face. No, no, but, but I think that should also be the goal of tech. I think that's very important. Actually, when you as a, as, as, as a customer or client are going into a store, actually you're not interested in the tech, you want to have the experience. Sure. Tech is the enabler to do that, yes. and it is becoming more and more sophisticated. But what you also then see is that the, the data around everything is becoming also more and more important. Not for you as a customer, but to really help the brands. What what is going around? What is going around in the shop? Who is interested? For what what kind of audience do I have? But that's mainly for brand, not for you as a customer. Sure. For the customer, that is what it is. Tech has, has to be there, it needs to be techy, but it has to be seamless. And actually, you are going for the experience to listen to great stuff of music, or to have the best coffee, or to look for the best uh, um, yeah, sound that you want to hear. Well, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure yes. to talk to you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. You too. And that's almost all the time we have for our special roundup episode of Euroshop 2020 in Dusseldorf, Germany. A big thank you to all our guests and to Euroshop 2020. The retail exchange will be at more flagship global retail events. Next is Retail Week Live 2020 in London at the end of March. Be sure to join us then for more insight from inspiring retail leaders. Until then, you can check out our latest episodes of the interview series and more at theretailexchange.co.uk. From me, Ben Bland, and our guest host, Carl McKeever at Euroshop 2020, thanks for listening. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter, hashtag Retail Exchange. This episode is brought to you by retail transformation agency Visual Thinking. Thanks for listening. <laughs>